Thanks, John. Morning, everybody. Afternoon, everybody. Good day, everybody. I've asked the guys not to use good morning or afternoon because we all get confused like I just did now. Um, so Dirk is doing the AVA, uh, NRV, if you can. Eh? Um, just three things quickly before I get going. One is that second marriage course you saw there. That's an alpha course, which we're going to be running only in Durbanville. Uh, you will be getting... Uh, a message out in terms of the times and registering for that. Um, we felt specifically as elders that that course may be more applicable for us at this moment. Um, and what is the other thing? Is Andre and Nina, Andre, is that you over there? Yeah. Um, I hope you parked your Harley Davidson outside the car park, eh? You know, don't allow them inside here. Yeah? And Yamaha, and um, <laughs> blue Yamahas, and uh, their testimony was shown this morning on uh, Josh Jen Live, so I'd encourage you all to watch that. And thirdly, very special day today, somebody turned 13, Grace over here. Well done. Bless you, Grace. Much grace to you. Um, and I just want to say you're a tough congregation. We've just come from... A church this morning, I preached in Kingdom Faith, they're part of Ephesians 4.12 family, they're in Wellington Road, and they've got an air-conditioned building, so it's 36 degrees right now, so you're a tough bunch, well done, good to walk with you guys, man, you're right, Desiree, suffering a bit in the heat, no, you're okay, um, I think I've covered all the stuff, eh? We need to cover. So what I want to share on is what I shared on last week. Um, let's grab that water there. Uh, with the other group, I, don't, I always forget that we've got two groups. Uh, and I felt it's a bit of a now word for us as a, as a congregation. So I felt to preach it to you guys Except for Ed. Ed came, he thought I was going to do part two today, which I did say I was going to do. But uh, I didn't get to, we're not going to get part two, and I'm still going to get part one. And uh, so an hour word I feel for us as a congregation, what God is just saying to us, just to speak into our hearts. Um, and Andre virtually preached my whole message. Thank you, Andre. So you did a better job than i actually going to do. Um, but it was very much on a similar vein in terms of our hearts, and has God got our hearts. And uh, that's what we're going to focus on this afternoon. I'm trying to keep it short. I spoke for an hour this morning, so I've run out of words. I've only got an hour's worth. That's no, okay. I'll be up front. Yeah, thanks. Um, so thankfully for you guys, I won't be too long, hopefully. Um, but I really feel that uh, God's saying, what is at the center of our, our hearts? And our hearts, we use the word heart. What does it mean when we use the word heart? Well, it describes the, the pivotal center of how we make decisions and what, what is a priority in our lives. And everything filters through our heart. It's not a physical heart, obviously. It's not feelings and emotions, but it's processing the will of God through the core of who we are in our spirits. You know, we, we're a spirit being. We've got a soul, our mind, our emotions, our, our will, and we've got a physical body. We will get a resurrected body one day in eternity. Um, but God wants to work in and through us in terms of our hearts. And um, when I was younger, I used to play squash, and Afrikaans, you call it muurball, yeah. And uh, 
in, in squash, you've got a, a T there, a line going down that way, and then a center line going to the back of the court. And you have to try and uh, take control of that center area. And if you can, can, if you can be in that center area, you can much easy. Jenny said I mustn't use the word dominate, so I'm struggling here. Um, you can much easily control the game and win the game because you're actually at the center of the whole court and you can get anywhere. And you try and get your opponent off that center. You try and play the ball down the wall, uh, lob it over to the back. So you try and get him far away so then you can switch the ball to another side of the court and he's, got a, he won't, he's probably not going to get there and you'll take the point and you'll win the game. So you try and get in the middle of the center of the court in order to control that game. And likewise, I, I maybe the word control is not good in terms of God, or maybe it is, um, but God wants to be the center of our heart so that every decision, every process goes via that heart decision-making in our lives. Um, as Andre said, and even in terms of our finance, and God, I always forget the statistics, but uh, Jesus spoke more about money than virtually anything else in the, in the, in the Bible. And uh, why? Because he, he knew that that would be an area that we would struggle in. He knew that that area could be the area that could control us and dominate. He said you can have God or mammon, which is going to be money or God. You know, ch- make your choice. He didn't say career or uh, sex or anything else like that. He said what is at the center? And even in terms of salvation, it's interesting, the rich young ruler, we know that parable of the rich young ruler, he came and he said, and he said what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, do these things. He said, no, I've done all that. He said, okay, one more thing. Go and give all you've got to the poor. And he walked away sad because that was the center of his heart. Jesus picked up in the spirit, that was his God. So he did all the external things. He did all the right things. But the one thing that really controlled his heart, and Jesus didn't run after him and try and tone the message down or, and I don't go, man, come, let me just explain a bit better. You know, let's reason this out. Let's discuss it. He let him go. And we, we do believe later on that young man did give his life and get saved. But often that, you know, God will use money as a determining factor of what's reigning and ruling in our hearts. And it could be other things as well. It could be our careers. It could be our marriages. It could be our children. Um, All these things have got to be put in, in the right category in the right place in terms of what is the center of our heart. That's, that's what today's message I feel is all about is what's at the center. Can you put up uh, 1 Kings 8, 57 to 61? And this is King Solomon. He was the third king of Israel when Israel, only three kings ruled over a united Israel. After Solomon, the kingdom broke up. Solomon started off well and he ended very badly. And uh, he asked for wisdom. Uh, you know, God said, you can have anything. And he said, I want wisdom. And God said, well, because you've asked for wisdom, that's, that shows your heart. And, uh, but I'm going to give you wealth as well because you are so unselfish and not self-centered. But we know that Solomon drifted quite badly and didn't end up well at all. And the kingdom got broken up after his reign and rule. But he built the, the biggest and the best uh, temple that ever existed. David's temple, which God actually refers to as his preferred temple because it was a hot temple. It wasn't very fancy. It was very rough and rudimentary. Solomon's temple was outstanding. It was amazing, the, the, the construction of it. And here at the end, he's, he's praying for the people of Israel and he then dedicates the temple to God. But he says this. He's praying. Solomon's praying out now. And he says, May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he never leave us nor forsake us. 
May he turn our hearts to him to walk in all his ways and keep the commands, decrees, and regulations he gave our fathers. And may these words of mine, which I have prayed before the Lord, be near to the Lord our God day and night, that he may uphold the cause of his servant and the cause of his people, Israel, according to each day's need, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and there is no other. But your hearts must be fully committed to the Lord our God to live by his decrees and obey his commands as at this time. So that last section there, our hearts must be fully committed. And that's the challenge I want to put out to us this, this afternoon is the commitment of our hearts. Almost like I feel Durnville is an amazing congregation to lead. Um, in some ways, it's, it's, you guys have always been so great and easy, um, cooperated beautifully. I just feel the Lord's almost like escalating it, taking it to a new level of, of heart. Because there's so much we don't know about ourselves. I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm constantly stepping back from my own life and saying, Lord, how dedicated am I really? Uh, you know, outwardly I may look impressive to other people, I don't know, I'm assuming, in terms of gifting and uh, serving, but really, Lord, you see my heart where other people don't see it. What is my heart really like before you? Is it as pure as I think it is? Is it as loving as I think it is? Because, you know, Paul even says in, in 1 Corinthians 4, he said, you know, uh, he says, my, um, I, my conscience is, is clear, but that doesn't mean that I'm, I'm in the clear. He says, my conscience doesn't convict me, 1 Corinthians 4, but he says, it doesn't mean that uh, I'm at peace, but it doesn't mean I'm, I'm not making a mistake. I'm not getting things right. I'm paraphrasing. Um, so you're right now, we can be sitting here with a clear conscience. I've, in my own heart right now, I feel I've got a clear conscience before God. I don't feel convicted of any particular sin right now that I'm, I'm really not uh, getting right. Um, I know I sin daily in my thoughts and my attitudes and probably my words. I don't always get them right and say the wrong thing. And, and, and most of you say hard things sometimes to some people. And, you know, I don't get it right. I know that. I know, I know that I'm sanctified and I lo- God loves me um, and that he's, I'm, I'm in a process of, him, of him purifying me. Um, but it's good to step back at times and say, Lord, really, how's my heart? How, how is it really? Um, because we can be very poor judges of our own selves sometimes. I meet guys so often, you know, I counsel people, I walk with people, and, um, and we get extreme cases where people say, no, God says it's okay that I divorce my wife, you know. Um, my conscience is clear. I feel peace about it. And that, what does that tell you? It talks about a, a seared conscience. It means, you know, when you bry and you turn the meat over and it gets burnt and it seals the edges and outside, that's what happens to our hearts sometimes. We don't listen to God when he speaks. Eventually it gets to the point where God speaks and we don't hear. And we get a false peace. Now I feel good, man. I feel good about my life. I feel like I'm, I'm generous. I'm amazing. I'm walking. If, you know, if I was up to me, if, it was up to, if I was to judge me, I think I'd give myself an A+, plus, you know. And, uh, but God may be thinking, no, 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 it's actually maybe more C-. minus. Um, you know, if we were to go really before God and allow Him to really speak into our hearts, and sometimes to take away that burnt offering and say, What's, let's have a look at the heart and how soft is it really before Him. So that's what I'm challenging us this afternoon, is to, to go fresh before God and say, Lord, is there more? Is there any burning of my conscience that I'm not seeing correctly at the moment as much as I think that I am? And uh, is there more, God, that I can actually bring in terms of my heart to serving you um, in fullness? 
And then we're going to go through some scriptures in 1 John, uh, mostly focus on next four scriptures in 1 John, and then one little one in 1 Peter at the end. Uh, so we want to put up 1 John 2 verses 3 to 6. We know that we have come to know him, because we all say, oh, we know God, I know God, yeah, it's about relationship, not about religiosity, I'm not religious, I'm, I'm in relationship with God. So, but then the scripture really hones in and it says, we know that we have come to know him if, and there's lots of ifs in the Bible, there's lots of ifs, and we don't always like those ifs, we like just sometimes different parts of the scripture, where if actually divides sometimes, and it separates, and it says things that sometimes qualify the other part of the sentence. And so it says, we come to know God, and we all like that, if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. So the question we must pose to ourselves is, are we walking like Jesus did? Are we loving to the extent that Jesus loved? Um, is our lives laid down to the extent that he laid his life down? Again, don't judge yourself because um, you may be wrong. So you've got to allow God to come and speak into your heart and speak into your conscience and go before him and say, God, is there anything? And uh, that I need to do in order to love the way Jesus loves. And, as, and, and what got uh, Ed to come back this week was that I said last week that I want to speak on, on love. Um, I just was going through 1 John when I was preparing last week for this, this particular message. And I just saw like my understanding, my revelation of love went to a new level of understanding of, of what God means by love. Um, it's, it's so much higher and deeper than what we, what we would know in our own selves and our own understanding. And I want to get around to that, hopefully fairly soon, of the depth that God wants us to love. Um, I think that's going to be what um, stands out the most for us as, a, as the people of God in the end times. We know there's a great falling away at the moment. Uh, I was just reading on social media, John Piper, who's a well-known, and he would be what's known as a fairly reformed uh, guy, and uh, he's quite strict in terms of his understanding of Scripture, and uh, he's, uh, he's quite firm. He's a very sound Bible teacher. But his very own son is uh, on TikTok, which I found out what it was means yesterday. Thank you, Greg and Marie. Um, he's on TikTok. He's got 93,000 followers, and he's speaking against what his father stands for. Um, and so we know, we just, and also on social media, I think I saw yesterday, uh, a past, uh, no, it was this morning, I was, uh, there's a guy who's, was part, John Piper's got a, a, a ministry called Desiring God, very sound ministry, and one of their guys who used to speak and write for that has now said he's not a Christian anymore. And so we, the Bible did warn us that these times would come, there'd be a great falling away, the love of many will grow cold. So what is love? You know, mushy emotions and feelings. What is love? And love is standing for, we've just read it, obedience to God's commands, obedience to his truth. God's love language is obedience to his commands. And so at the end times we're seeing a lot of in America, especially uh, pastors who are saying they're not actually Christians anymore. Pastors. Um, and you wonder, you know, what did they build upon? What was their foundation? I know one here in Cape Town, a very large church. He was leading it. He's now left and he's against Christianity. Um, these things were to, are to be expected. Do not panic or be thrown by them because we are warned. Uh, there's going to be a great... People are going to hate us. 
And as a church, we know that we've had to make a lot of stands on some very basic foundational truths. Nothing out of the ordinary, nothing fancy. We've stood on some very basic truths on marriage and uh, on sexuality and, uh, and on ministry and what gender can minister. And we are before the Human Rights Commission right now um, for some of these matters. Um, churches are not standing with us. They're capitulating. Uh, they don't want to stand for the for basics of the foundations of our truth because it makes them unpopular. And we know there's a whole woke po- population out there who are poised and waiting to attack anyone who doesn't fit in and align with the, with the liberal thinking of today. I remember going away um, with a whole bunch of pastors when I first came into ministry. And, and, and there was a pastor there, and we all sitting, about 10 of us, we were talking, and the one guy said he's presenting a paper on a certain doctrine. And he, and he came from, for me, a well-respected, uh, sound the, uh, Bible uh, movement of churches around South Africa. And he said he's presenting this paper to all the, the, whole, all the churches on this change in, in doctrine that they're going to be going down uh, in this particular area. And I said, but where do you find that in Scripture? I was, well, first I waited. I was the new kid on the block, and I was waiting for someone to say something, and nobody said anything. So I said, but where do you find that in Scripture? He said, no, it's not in the Bible, but the world's changed. Things have changed, you know, so we have to sort of fit in with where the world is going. And I could not believe what I was hearing. And I took him on in as gentle a way as I could, um, but it was not, you know, the guys all sat and watched us, and we debated this thing. And... Um, and we're seeing that more and more churches won't stand for the basics of, of, of truth that were, were so common and understood 10, 20, 30 years ago. And so, folks, you're going to be challenged because you're part of us. If you choose, well, I presume most of you here are walking and journeying with us and have been through our starting points and have understood the values that, that we stand for. And the values, that, as we would say, is just Scripture. And everybody says, no, they just use the Bible. Um, but we've got to see what fruit is produced from that and what kind of people are produced from that. Well, you know, and what, are, what, is the, what is the fruit of, of that ministry? What is the fruit of those doctrines? Because there must be some fruit that comes from it. So as a people of God, we've got to hold the line in these times in terms of what is our hearts and what do we stand for. Um, and the world is going to watch you. They're going to watch to see what are your values in terms of finance and business. And businesses uh, and ethics in business is going to be challenged. We know we have a problem with our current government at the moment in terms of corruption. It's in the newspaper. It's all over social media and all that type of thing. Um, there is corruption within our government ranks. So often, gov- you know, governments are, are given by God. Uh, it doesn't always make sense of why certain countries get certain governments, but that's the way it is. Um, and they can often pave a way. They break things open into the nation in terms of ethics and morality. And as the church, we are actually the ones who are supposed to bring in the ethics and the morality into, into, the, church, into the world situation. We won't influ- we're not here to make the world become Christians. We don't want every country. There's not such a thing as a Christian country. That's not biblical. There's a, there's a Christian people who emerge who can affect the nation by people becoming born again and becoming Christians themselves. But there's no such thing as a Christian nation. Um, some nations do pronounce that over themselves, but it's not a true statement to make at all. So we call to make a difference. We call to stand for righteousness. Even the business place, you call to stand firm for righteousness' sake. Um, I could tell, I've got time now, but I could tell stories where I, I lost many, many, many thousands of rands by standing firm on a, on a biblical truth. We actually lost our house, if we're honest, 
by, it's a long story, and most of you, old guys, Josh Jones, have heard it a hundred times, our story, but I was in business, and things went badly for my family, who owed me a lot of money, they couldn't pay, so me, so I had to sell our house to pay their debt, and, um, and then we were offered a lifeline, uh, a way out of that, through actually a government organization, who said, but you, we want to deal with you, and it was a very lucrative, I dealt with them in the past, and in a different, through another uh, party, but they offered to work with us directly, uh, but I had to falsify the invoices, um, very mildly, and everyone knew about it, and everyone was okay with it, and government, but I couldn't do that in my own conscience, I turned to the, and they thought I was mad, I was turning away a lot of money, which could have saved our house, saved a lot of things, but we lost our house, and you may question, have all questions around that, but this life is tough, folks. You've got to make decisions sometimes. Business is tough. Things go wrong. It's not a perfect world. Perfection is coming. Jesus said one day in eternity they'll wipe away every tear, no more sickness, no more pain. In this life, I know there's certain theologies that have come in and crept into the church. They call it Kingdom Now Theology, which sets people up for massive disappointment. So we call to hold to a, a middle understanding and, and a, a, a basic understanding of the gospel truth and, um, and to pioneer and live out the principles of God in real, t- in real life. The world is watching us to see, hey, are you guys all just talk or are you people of action? And uh, do you live out what you talk about? So if I poke you and I poke you hard, what's going to come out? Are you going to collapse and become just like us and tick you off the list, right? Another hypocrite, dunk, another liar. Or are you going to be people who stand for truth no matter what the consequences because if God's got your heart, you'll, you'll go through anything, any hardship in this life. How do you think Jesus did it? How do you think the apostles did it? Oh, the apostles were a bunch of cowards in the beginning. They deserted Jesus. They ran away. They denounced him. And, and at the end, they were all prepared to die for him. Hebrews, 11, Hebrews 10 speaks of the heroes of the faith. Hebrews 10, 11. I'm trying to picture the part of my Bible, the, the, the heroes of the faith. It says they died not actually achieving what they were thought they were going to get, but they were looking to a preferred future, another future. You may not always get what you expect in this life. The minute you try and set up an expectation of God, has going to, how God is going to act and behave, you've become God, and not God is not God now. He can do whatever he wants. For some, there might be some here who are multimillionaires, there may be some here who absolutely don't know how you're going to find food for tonight. I trust that the Bible, you know, Paul does say, I want equality in the churches, and we do have a pantry fund set up for that. And the, the, the rich amongst us have been extremely generous giving towards that. And so we are able to feed and look after the basic needs of everyone in this congregation. God is our provider, folks. You know, people try and cheat coming through the airport and not declare things. You know, save money for God. So I can, you know, doesn't mean they're going to give more to God. Just means they're saving more money for themselves. Actually, we always try and smuggle the system to save money and means and not pay tax. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I've been to shops sometimes where they say, "Is that going to be cash? Do you want an invoice or no invoice?" No invoice means cheaper. I won't pay the, the the tax, the VAT. I know that. I know how it works. Or if you want an invoice, I've got to charge you fifteen percent. Uh, give me the 15%. God's my provider, not me schmuckling some little system here and making a few bucks, you know. That's not a bad word. Afrikaans people, sorry. Is it okay? Mm-hmm. A bit late now, sorry. I should have asked you, John.
1 John uh, 2, verse 15 to 17, please, Dirk. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. And that's what we're going to come. What is, what is our heart? It's the will. That's where we determine our will. And we've got to filter everything um, that comes at us through this life through our heart. And we've, got to, and we've got to flick out what's not of God and allow what's of God to penetrate and to come in. So that's the center that I was talking about in terms of like a squash game. What is at the center? Is God at the center or you at the center? Who's controlling that central point? Who's in, who's in command here? Is it God? Really God? Because people say, no, I'm under God. I, you know, God's my, my, my master. And, but often their actions don't line up with what they're saying. And so this, this afternoon I'm challenging us. Has God really at the center of your heart? Filter everything through the will of God. Think about your business dealings. Think about your transactions that you do. Think about your marriages. Think about your relationships. Is it all conducted in the way that God was? As a pastor, that filter of your heart, which directions are going, left or right? Which one is in control and got dominance? We can't love anything in this world, folks. I think I might have, I was, sorry, the one downside to this whole corona thing is that our church has been broken up a lot in terms of size. It's great that we've got only two meetings now, um, but there was a time when we had six meetings. And let me tell you, it's hard, even now it's hard leading a church like that. Even now it's difficult. You guys, all, all I can see is your eyes. Um, I can't see your expressions. And we, our faces are very expressive of, um, of who we are. And, uh, you know, what I said last week to the other group and this week to this group. So let me tell you something. Just give you a little window into us and leading you right now. It's not easy. It's very difficult to take a, just a, a sort of a broken up group forward. And, but we're doing the best that we can. And so thanks for your cooperation and the way you've journeyed with us. It's been amazing. And the way you've, um, I mean, to, who comes to church at 12 o'clock and 36 degrees, you know? Uh, so well done, man. And then hop us at, what's the next one? Top us two, sorry? Yeah, the next guys, I mean, they, they've also got it tough. Um, so what's dominating the center? The fact that you guys are here speaks volumes. It does. I mean, and I had a little revelation during worship this morning at the Kingdom Faith Church. Is today the first day of your week or the last day of your week in terms of your, your spiritual walk with God? I know Sunday is regarded as the first day of the week. That's why we have church on the first day, technically. Um, but, so what I mean by that is this. Did you drag yourself into church now to come get topped up at the last day of the week so that you can survive tomorrow through to next Sunday and hope you make it to next Sunday to get, before you spend time with God again and get topped up and then go? I think it should be the other way around. We should be walking with God continuously in the midst of hardship, in the midst of trouble, and we come into this meeting actually carrying something and bringing something of God. You can't wait for us just to always lead you into where God wants to go and to what to do in these times. That you would come here, every one of you walk through these doors, and I've said this many times, that you pray beforehand, you say, Lord, use me. This is a celebration time. It's not the main meeting. It's just a celebration time. And Lord, I'm coming to bring something of you. If you've got a word to the whole body or just to someone around to encourage them, to pray for them, I'm your man. I'm your woman. Use me, God. I want to come and add to this meeting, not just come and plonk myself down and say, right, fill me up so I can get through the next week. 
We should be living such fulfilled lives, such, such overflowing, abundant lives, Monday to Sunday. It shouldn't be like a tapering off of your spirituality till Sunday. Does that make sense? And I'd love it so if you guys all came here like, wow, let's do this. Let's worship God. Let's together. Let's, let's participate. If you guys have got words of how we can do this church better, hey, I'm open, eh? Really. We're not the gurus uh, knowing everything. I wish we were. But we're just trying to find God and, and do the best we can in terms of leading. And yes, there is anointing upon us in terms of leading. But we're really encouraging you guys to participate with us in the direction. If you, f- if you feel that, hey, we're missing it, to come and say so. Uh, we want to hear that. And if you feel we could do better in a bit, particular area, we want to hear it. That's bringing your will to God. That's, that's throwing your whole heart into what God is doing. As I've used the word before, take ownership of this. It's our congregations. Our, we're a group of people, a family, doing life together. And so we all, the whole family should participate in family matters. And then 1 John 3, verse 18 to 24. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This, then, is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts, and He knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Just go back, please. Um, so let's go back to this. Verse 18. Reverse. There we go. So we call not to love with just words or tongue, but that is part of our loving. Um, I don't know about you, but I know it's all different love languages. My love language is not so much words. You know, someone said they love me and then stick a knife in my back. I'm sort of not going to read those words very well um, or appreciate them very much. Um, I'm more an action person. If you really love me, then let's, let's see it in action. Uh, that you make an effort towards me. That you take genuine concern about my life, you know. And uh, that's how we should be loving one another. That not just talk and speech, but actual genuine caring for one another. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest. Is your heart at rest in his presence? Verse 20. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. So, I mentioned earlier, let God speak into your hearts, even this time when we go into worship in a moment. And uh, Lord, is there anything in my heart that I've got numb to? I don't hear your voice like I used to. If you're not hearing God's voice, if he's not speaking clearly through the word or in your heart... And you should all be hearing his voice. Jesus, Jesus said, my sheep, hear my voice. They know my voice. You should be hearing the voice of Jesus guiding you through, through life situations. If you keep stealing from the company, um, eventually you're not going to hear God speaking. First, God will speak and you say, don't do that. Don't do that. And sometimes you've got to be petty in these things. So that makes sense. Don't even steal a rubber band or a paper clip or a pen. You know, we can all justify those things. Don't cheat your insurance company. Uh, you know, I grew up in a culture where if you, something was stolen, you claim for something bigger. You know, access to insurance, I've been paying for 20 years insurance and I want to get my money's worth. And it's, just, it's in the details. See, man, uh, man won't see you cheat, but God sees. And he sees the heart. He sees just those little actions. He says, be faithful in the small things and he'll trust you with the bigger things. And the, and the second to last scripture, 1 John 5, 14. 
This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, so it's got to be anything according to His will, not outside of His will, and mostly you would find that in the Word of God, um, and then often God will give you a clear conscience. And that's often how you know that you're born again, is that you have a conscience now of right and wrong. Um, and, you, and the Bible says those who are wise are those, those who are mature in God, in Hebrews 5 it says, are those who've learned to put into practice learning right and wrong. So if you, if you, the more you put into practice learning from God and hearing His voice, the more you, clearly you're going to hear God's voice as you journey along and you grow in Him. But you've got to put into practice. You've got to walk in it. If God speaks, listen. If you, if you don't listen, eventually it becomes so hard. And in moments you say, God, speak. You're too dead to hear any longer. There may be some repentance required from some of us today where you've actually done stuff that's not holy, not sanctified uh, in your business life, in your marriages, uh, wherever. And maybe you need to repent, which means, God, I've got it wrong. I was going against your will. I need to turn around and go in the other direction, which is your will. Let your will be done in heaven as it, on earth as it is in heaven. Um, so if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So you've got to ask according to his will, then he will hear you. And if, we, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. It's just the two verses. Yep. James uh, says that uh, you don't receive because you don't ask. And when you do ask, you ask for selfish motives to spend on your own pleasures. So make sure that you're asking according to God's will. Um, and then you'll know that you'll have what you ask of him. And mostly it's going to be around the areas of character and of growing and of serving him, things that are on action which help build up his kingdom according to his will. Your will be done. Jesus even, we know, said, you know, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and we were in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, just over a year ago and we were in Israel, and uh, Jesus said, you know, hey, Lord, if his father is not, if, if there's another way, is there not another way that we could do this, you know? Um, and he said, but not my will. Your will be done. And so he, he surrendered that moment. He, I, I don't know what the discussions were before he came down to this earth to, um, to be the sacrifice and to take our sins upon himself. But obviously he, there was an expression of his humanity there because uh, he became human just like us. And there was, a, I don't know, maybe an element of fear that he had to overcome, which he did, because he put God's, the Father's will at the center at that point. You could see he was... He was wavering. If I, can read, if I read into that, he was wavering and very real. Uh, and I enjoy the realness of Jesus, of who he was, um, that even he was challenged at that moment. And he, but, he, but when it came down to it, he said, no, 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 not my will be done. Your will be done, Father. I'm going to go through this, and, and I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. And so that's what should be our cry today, our, our plea with God, is say, Lord, I've done it my own way. I, I've I've tried, and uh, I've actually, maybe you've got into a pattern of doing things your own way, and you need to break that pattern, break that mold, and you've actually justified it in your own mind, because often we convince ourselves. Have you ever met super salesmen? My, my middle son's like this. He's a salesman. He sells things to himself, and then, he be, and then he believes them, and we have to sometimes stop him and say, whoa, you know, you've actually convinced yourself that this is a good idea, and it's not. You're actually amazed at this amazing idea that you sold yourself, and you're not going to do it, and so it's not going to end up in a good place. So that you can deconstruct right now. And uh, so sometimes you sell things, we sell things to ourselves, and we get convinced that, no, actually, I think it's okay. I think God's okay with us, but you better be sure about that. 
You must be sure about that, that God is okay with it. Um, and then the last scripture, 1 Peter 1, verse 22 and 23. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth. Okay, so as you obey the truth, you're presenting yourself to God and you're actually purifying yourself as God works through you. And purifying is a cleaning out, a burning off of the old and the wrong. By obeying the truth that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. Love one another deeply from the heart, from the will, not emotions. Because it's so easy in our Western culture to read that as emotions. Love from the heart. Oh, hey, and you look at Mario, I just love you from the heart, man. Hey, you know, I feel all mushy towards him. But it means more than that. It goes deeper than that. It's, it's a whole, whole range, which I'll go into another time. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, means it can't pass away, through the living and enduring word of God. And the word is Jesus. Let's stand. Greg is going to, and the team. Will you revisit right now today um, your heart's position? Just rework it. I think God is taking, I mean, we've preached a similar message like this over the years many times. I'm very aware of that. But I really feel like the Lord's taking us deeper. You've got to, we have to be so careful that we don't get to the place we think we know at all. Um, like, I think I understand that now. I don't need that teaching anymore. When sometimes, I don't know about you, but I read the scripture and, and I've read it a thousand times and suddenly it just leaps out of me. That's, that's what the word of God is. It's just alive. It's breathing. So right now, just close your eyes and before God, just so you can, closing your eyes just so you don't focus on the things around you, so you can center your heart around the, the truth of God right now and the will of God. So right now, we want to bring our, our wills, our hearts to God and say, Lord, does it? Does it mesh with your heart? Does it fit into what you're doing? My will? The things that I'm doing in this journey, in this life? If our hearts, are our hearts beating together? Was mine out of rhythm with your heart, Lord? Examine me, Lord. Purify me right now, God. I believe, Lord, you're taking us to new levels today. New levels, Lord, of knowing you. You said knowing you is the key element of, of what it's all about. That knowing is an intimate understanding and relationship with you. We desire deeper intimacy right now, God. Deeper intimacy with you as you come and fill us with your presence right now. I pray, Father, with those hearts have gone hard and cold, um, who are not hearing your voice like they used to. I pray right now, Lord, that you penetrate right through any barriers, right through any searing. And Father, I pray that you speak clearly into hearts this afternoon. Draw people. Lord, you said, when Solomon prayed, Lord, that you'd come off, search after our hearts. Search after our hearts this afternoon, Lord. Bring our hearts back to you. Bring our hearts back to you, God. For those who've drifted off, Lord, let there be an awakening this afternoon of of how much you love them, God, of how much you desire to journey with them on a deeper, intimate level. We've asked for forgiveness, God, where we've got, uh, we treat you as an, uh, an, old, an old friend. We, just, we, know, we don't see as, as precious as we, and as fresh as we should.
Renew in us, Lord, a, a pure heart today, a clean heart, clean hands, Lord, as we lift up holy hands before you. We're a holy people, God. Father, let, let us not be tainted by anything of this world. You said, if we love this world, we're going to have no part of you. Father, there's been any love that's in us right now that's higher than the love for you, then we repent of that, God. And we bring it before you, lay it at your feet. Not my will be done, yours. We bring everything under you, God, this afternoon. Everything. And lay it at your feet, Jesus. Worship you, King Jesus. Worship you, King Jesus. Allow God to challenge you, folks. Allow God to challenge you. He's doing it in love. He's doing it in caring. And He desires to draw closer to you. If you've drifted away, now's the time to drift back again. In fact, to run back into His arms. Worship you, my King. So as we worship now, go into a deeper place of intimacy with Him. Maybe you've struggled with worshiping because of a lack of intimacy. God never changes from His side. We're the ones who have to do the changing. He is unchanging. He remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He remains a loving, caring, compassionate God, quick to, slow to anger, and quick to forgive. Thank you for your forgiveness, Lord, that you forgive us all our sins right now and wash us pure and clean by your Spirit. Worship you, Jesus. Some of you have been rebuking the enemy, rebuking the devil, and the Bible says that you've, there's a part that's before that. It says, uh, um, repent. And then re- draw close to God, repent. Then rebuke the enemy. You can't go around rebuking the devil if you haven't done that intimacy with God and the restoration with God. Worship you, Jesus.